so being able to recognize patterns and and explain what what's going on and and uh, fix things i think just requires knowing the history of things um you know what's gone before and because it's a you you say you start to say well there's a pattern in this story here's the pattern in the story and and uh, that 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 it really is a valuable thing and and but you got to find the people that understand that it's valuable because they they can implement um the value so i think that's something is that your way of telling me that i'm being greedy no no i mean i <laughs> i think that it's a way of saying that i think i do think that christians don't have not figured out how to um see the value in expertise um because we are all amateurs in our in in our fields of study even it, um we don't commit to a craft uh the way that because i think because of the gnosticism we think that being a christian alone gives us a special knowledge um and so you uh i mean mm -hmm. and i've seen this you know where you know uh, I've talked to Christians that are in, you know, in their field, they say, well, you know, when I come into a problem, I pray um, and God gives me the answers. And you're like, well, that's that, that I'm sure there's something, I mean, I don't think there's a problem with the prayer, um, but it's not, it's a, it, there's a wisdom that you can actually have in your field of study or in your field of work um that comes from knowing the history of it that comes from you know and all those things are i don't know if i i think the gnosticism like you're not allowed to come along and say well these aren't the you don't pray to get answers to these this kind of question <laughs> but you do i mean you there, there are things. I mean, you, you have, you do have to say that sometimes. Like, well, these are the kinds of things that you pray for answers to. Now, I'm not saying not don't pray, but there's that's what I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> sometimes you have to actually go study something. Sometimes you have to practice. You know, um, so if somebody comes along and they say, "Well, I, you know, how'd you get really good at the guitar?" They say, "Well, I prayed and." You know, God downloaded this skill to me. You think that nah, I, I just don't believe it. That's not. Um, that's it's not, not how the it way works. this. That's not how it works. Um, how it works is you play the scales a lot, and you you know that. But yeah, um, most careers have an art side to them. You know, there's a the science and the art of of a whatever it is, and so um, and we downplay that art like i think a good i one of the things that my wife and i have been talking about a lot is what are what are movies and television because movies and television is my my main job what are they actually for like what 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 do they do what do they not do because christian the gnostics kind of thinking says that everything is for evangelism and if it's not for evangelism then you're misusing it right so it's a, um uh the uh oh man the charles finney mm -hmm. um 
the second great awakening guy, he used to say that if you're eating for any other reason than to have enough energy for evangelism, you're sinning. That's what eating, what food is for. It's to, it's fuel to, to for you to go out and evangelize. Well, I guess if you're an evangelist, <laughs> if like that's your calling, that might be. I could see that maybe. <laughs> is that is that bacon? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. smell it. Smell it from here. Oh, bro, <laughs> I needed this morning. I've been on that carnivore thing. Oh yeah, it's been good. Been on it's it since August. Thing best i ever felt in a long time was when i was doing that carnivore consistently it is it's been legit it has not even been hard to do um i think the i had hard maybe part is the is like the, the the fellowshipping over food part when you have a special diet i haven't I had a problem you, with that have you just been i guess if you're always having people over then that's how you solve it even going over to people's house i haven't had a problem with it. i i just always find something there to eat right so yeah um i've just i've made it you know how it is with stuff like this you make it your problem not everybody else's you have some people who be on diets and they're like hey yo i ain't coming over unless you got bacon Uh (laughs) right right yeah well yeah that is the that's that's the way to do it but and i haven't had it like everybody's house been over i even think one person sharon let it out to somebody and they're like that's what we're on and so they're like, now they had to have us over for dinner. And it was like, oh, man. That's the way to do it. I actually learned a few other things to cook that I was like, oh, I was not eating like this. Some carnivore soups and stuff like that was pretty good. Mm. But, yeah, man, it's been good. This bacon is fantastic. You know, it's funny. Metaphysics actually encompasses so much of everything that we do. You, I was just writing down the metaphysics of entertainment and um, entertainment and art and television. Like, what is it? What is it for? Why do we have it? Because you got to be really careful. Because if you go the wrong way on this, you get real frozen, chosen, frozen kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. Where, what's even laughter for? Why do we right. need it? We don't need to laugh. Unless it's a, a, a religious joke. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not how... God's made God's made all kinds of things funny. He tells all kinds of different jokes, and I think sometimes it it, it, inter, it hinders how we read the scripture. I was just thinking about this the other day. I laughed at the idea that Mary and Jesus, when they were at the wedding, and she's like, "Hey, these folks need some wine. Do the do the thing." And he's like, "My time ain't come yet, woman." And she's like, and then she don't even. I can just see the look she gives him, like, "Oh yeah." And didn't even say nothing. She just goes and turns right to the server. Do whatever he said. He, do he's gonna do it. Okay? Yeah, to do whatever he said. Do he'll take care of it. I'll be back. We better have some wine up in this joint. And it was hilarious. Like I just, it's it's like one of those mom moments. This is like, oh yeah, you ain't gonna do. Oh, I bet you will. And it's just hilarious when you think about Jesus <laughs> and his mom and his mom is being a mom. It's just, and it's like, how could you not? chuckle at that reality right. of the joke that, that god is telling right there in the scripture well and then kind of the punchline of the evening is they take the wine to the master of ceremonies and uh-huh. he's like, you guys served it out of order yeah. what are you guys thinking you know it's it's late in the game for the best wine why is it coming out now you should have saved it for you know after the party if you got this good wine and everybody's already had too much to drink um it's just really funny uh kind of punchline to the sketch 
um, what, uh-huh. what they call the 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 out. You know, the the way out of the sketch, kind of the final joke, is is this deep theological truth about the way God works in history that um, you know, that you know the it's the opposite of a pagan metaphysic where the thing that comes after is always a little bit worse than the thing that came before that there's always degradation and um and jesus is like he just turns everything on its head turns the entire oh, world really on its good. head with a sketch um well that's funny so that's i kind of want i want to i think we can get to this i don't know if we're gonna have enough time because we play so much time with your camera and that's fine but I want to talk about, so we were at dinner Friday. I think we had dinner Friday. And somehow, in some weird way, I remember the trajectory of the conversation. I want to try and follow that. But we talked about the promises of God, faith, and then somehow you got to decreation and judges. And I don't remember all of the details (laughs) of how we got there. I just... You were having those meat sweats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All I remember was oh, that I'm restaurant like, was fantastic. I think I told you to stop talking because I said we have to talk about this on the show. Yeah. And if we talk about it now, I know we're not going to have the same conversation. So it's somewhere in the middle of this conversation. It had to be the weirdest thing because both of our wives are there. So I know they had to be looking at us like, what just? So no, I had to yeah, they, they've they've heard it happen, uh, you know, fr- from the other end of the phone enough times that they're like, oh, I know what's going on. Uh, By the way, our wives getting together is a very dangerous idea. Uh, I know. I didn't, I didn't I think know. that through very well. <laughs> Replanning their lives. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is good. this is a mark. Just put this one down. But I think the question that I asked you to launch into this was because I've been thinking a lot about faith, a lot about faith, and. I think that we've upper storied faith, right? I think we've upper storied faith. And because we've upper storied faith, everything else in the world is almost meaningless. Like you were just saying with the metaphysics of comedy, um, metaphysics of entertainment, right? We've, we've upper storied faith so that um, we only think about faith in a spiritual sense, but it doesn't really touch down which I think is problematic because if you lose the one, you'll lose the other as well. God didn't make Adam to be just a spiritual being. He was both. And that's the beauty of, of reality. Right. Um, And so I'm like, okay, if faith is trusting God to do what he said he would do in his promises. And that trusting looks like obey obedience. Right. And if that's what faith is, then it's essential that I understand what the promises of God are and how I need to engage them, right? And so I was asking right. you, like, and so, and, and here's what I had to do to even have this conversation. I'm charismatic internally, it's there, right? <laughs> and so what I have to do to have this conversation is shut off all of the caveats that come inside of the charismatic movement that my reform side, my Presbyterian side rejects. I have to just shut off the whole charismatic conversation, just be like, let's just have this conversation and act like the charismania never existed for a moment. <laughs> because when you start talking like this, there's not really a difference between you and a charismatic on paper. Right? Right. Well, John Calvin 
the the Roman Catholic one of the insults they would level at him was his you're obsessed with the Holy Spirit, right? I don't <laughs> even know Presbyterians like that anymore. No, I, know. I don't know. I don't. They don't even exist anymore. They they called him the theologian of the Holy Spirit. I so, I love that. That and when, when I you found read him with we when you when you read him you see that for him the Holy Spirit was so active and engaged, um, down to the questions of. Is the Holy Spirit involved in the interactions between your mind and your limbs when you go to lift your your hands um, because your mind tells your hands to move? How involved is the Holy Spirit in that? Right. That's extremely, how deeply. Extremely. Right, that's, how, that's how deeply involved he understood the Holy Spirit to be. Um, and you know, wh- whether you you know, where wherever you fall on that you know, with him, uh, with him or, you know, how he uh, understood movement, you know, kind of the, 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 the force of movement of matter and things, all of that, the, the, it's obvious that for him, the Holy spirit is deeply involved in the ins and outs of the Christian life. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and that our spirit, right. Because at the God breathed our spirit into Adam, um that uh that that is a is fundamentally mm. a dependent existence on the presence of the the presence and power the 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 presence and active power of the holy spirit right so that the fact that we are a body and spirit that can that continues to hold together is because of the 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 gluing power of the Holy Spirit, right? So, so, so that's um, that's how you get scripture that says, "Don't grieve the Holy Spirit," right? Yeah, because don't grieve that. the Holy Spirit, right? Because one, because we're sinners, right? And so death is, uh, is our, um, is regularly earned by us, and yet we don't die, right? So that's the active grace of the Holy Spirit keeping our spirit and body together when every sin is an attempt to tear them apart. Mm. Right? Uh, so, so that, so that's such a deep understanding of the power and presence, uh, the gracious power and presence, maybe you'd say of the Holy spirit, um, that, uh, I don't think we even really have a category for that because we're mechanistic by assumption, right? So a clock just, we, you know, a machine just keeps going unless something stops it. Um, that, that under, you know, and uh that is the opposite of the understanding of uh of the historically reformed but i think even you know that that's because they were reading and interacting with the you know they were they were reading an, an older physics than the the newer mechanistic physics that that comes about that's what you know what we talked about with nietzsche um that the new physics uh, as if you can get everybody to assume the new physics, then they'll come up with their own arguments against the existence of God, right? Because the new physics was yeah yeah such a uh, the new the new cosmology the new physics that all of that was uh, was assuming God didn't exist right the way that uh, and so he said oh, that's all you got to do is convince them of that they'll come up with their own arguments against God's existence if you can get them to uh, accept the new cosmology the new physics so um but for calvin be, because you don't have um 
matter doesn't just exist on its own. Matter is uh, an ex the the continued existence of matter is is the uh, an expression of the will of the Holy Spirit. Right, the the Holy Spirit is the power that holds this holds everything together. Right, the word um, and that and the reason is because the word of Christ Jesus continues to speak all of this place into existence, and the Holy Spirit um, is holding it together as a as a way of glorifying the word of Christ. Right, it's not an he's not obeying, but he is uh, he's not obeying in the sense that uh, that we would think of it, but it is a uh, he's, he, the spirit is doing the bidding of the father and the son. Right. And so, um, and this is, you know, the, the filioque clause in the, um, this is why it's worth reading about the, the filioque clause in, uh, in the great schism of the East and the West is because when you read about these debates, you see all the things that they say, okay, the, we agree on this. We agree on this. We agree on this, right? These are the things they agree on um, is the, the, what the, the, the power of the spirit, the Holy, the, what the work of the spirit is, right? So he's holding it all together. So he is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Those sorts of uh, phrases and understanding. Well, once, once you settle into that and, un, and let your imagination be, discipled by that kind of understanding you start seeing that faith means something a lot different uh, than i hope i i can pray that i can pray and god will do a miracle right and what you have in the uh, cessationist charismatic debate is they agree that's the question and they disagree oh, on the answer. answer right oh bro so they're both working in a mechanistic framework. The new, the new cessationists, the modern, the current cessationists. That's what I haven't. That's what I haven't liked about this new cessationist group. Because I'm like, I, I know, and and they'll give their caveats of what they don't mean by what when they say it. But then, I don't want to talk about that because I'll go down a whole another rabbit trail. I'm less concerned about them because if they're acting faithless, it's not going to work anyway. So I really don't right. have it. Right, right. So yeah. I'm, I'm, they're not a threat in in one sense, and not but here's what's really crazy is that somebody who has faith and understands the 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 binding of the two worlds together even though they have them to be pretty radical and just kind of throwing seed everywhere and not really focused at all but just trusting god for all of it those guys are the ones who are going to do a lot more <laughs> right, right like that's that's when, what's so crazy you and you what's interesting so it, it working in the arts you see that there's there's really two big groups uh, within Christians in the arts. Charismatics right? and the, Mormons. <laughs> Charismatics and and uh, traditionalist Roman Catholics. Okay, okay. Right? So yeah. you really don't get a whole lot of uh, reformed people. modern evangelicals and very few reformed folks. And if... If your theology doesn't end up expressing itself consistently at in the arts, then there then your theology is wrong. I mean, just historically speaking, the um the arts have been uh the when the Holy Spirit moves, you get tons of music, you get tons of art, you get architecture, lots of dominion, lots of dominion, right? You've got lots of theonomy, lots, <laughs> lots, lots of, of infant uh, baptism. Uh, the the you know. Um, 
Jason's like, would you stop it? (laughs) Well, think about it. Without the Great Awakening, you don't get the advancements in legal theory that the American founders A lot of freedom, lots of liberty. You get a lot of freedom, uh, advancements, the creativity of the the legal theory of the early United States where they were able to meld together the separate legal traditions into a single tradition, um, into a, I guess, into a single expression, you'd say, and really begin a new tradition. That that creativity, that artistic uh, creativity in legal theory um, that, that took, because you have multiple legal theories that ha- explain the limitations of the different spheres uh different legal theories explained the limitations of different spheres well and then the american uh founders were able to pull those together and and i obviously maybe it's not obvious i don't think they did it perfectly um in my understanding they didn't do it uh perfectly but you but perfection isn't the goal of art right the goal of art is a new expression of uh the beauty of truth uh, and the glory of goodness that that really is what art is about so uh, the artistic aspects of the constitution are brilliant um but you you have um all sorts of within the modern filmmaking space at least you have a, a major push amongst uh the very traditional um very traditional, really the traditionalist Roman Catholics, the the old school Roman Catholics, the ones that agree with the Protestants that the current Pope is messing everything up, right? Those Roman Catholics uh, are uh, have a significant uh, push in the film industry, and then um, charismatics, right? The uh, the charism the the charismatic light, or even like the the even the, the crazy seven charismatics, mountain, yeah. seven mountain charismatics, yeah. right? The somebody uh, said the all, all charismatics are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> new apostolic. Oh no, I've got there. I've got a, a whole bunch of relatives that are incredibly responsible charismatics. Right? We get together and we almost don't disagree. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know that there's, you've got really you've got you've got some really. Re- <laughs> go ahead. We call those the thinking charismatics. The thinking charismatics. Yeah. Yeah. So. um you know, my, I, I'm, there's not in the f- extended Farley clan, it's mostly charismatics, um, but very responsible, you know, just the, uh, but you don't get the artistic expressions coming out of the reformed side. Not right or, now. Or out That's of the reformed sure. clan. It's very, um, it tends towards, a, it tends towards rationalism. Um, or rationalistic, mechanistic understandings of faith, so they don't know what to do with expressions of the human spirit. I, I think, I, and that's my that's my diagnosis. When the um, so and okay. and some of it's a reaction against the um, kind of emotionalism. I don't even um, think that's it. Mm, I, I disagree with you already. I don't even okay. think that's it. I think. What do you, what do you think it is? Because thank you. I'm I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> I think it's pure faithlessness. I think that it's covered by up by well, that's bad because then it gives them excuse not to be radical in their faith. Okay. That's what I think it is. 
Um, I think it's a fear and I think it's faithlessness. And it's always, and I always think about the, when David's man, Caleb and Joshua and the conquering uh, and, uh, of, of Canaan. And if you look at those kind of men who have faith, they do stuff that's pretty insane. They take armies that have three men against armies of 3,000, right? I'm being facetious here. Yeah. But they take small armies and they go, and, and, here's, and this is what's crazy about their thought process is, what are the promises of God? What did God promise us? And where are the Philistines at? Let's go see if God won't give us victory. I mean, it was just like, since he's right. promised us this, let's put those promises to the test and see if God won't give us victory over there, even though we know we're outnumbered. Because that way we know it's God. People right. don't move like that. And then when, and so then what they have to do is they have to cover up how their faithlessness with, look at those charismatics out there with this bad theology falling out and stuff and trying to do movies, trying to do art, trying to do all this stuff. That, that, their theology is so bad, nothing they do will work. And it's like, those people are at least trying to practice it, <laughs> right? And, 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 and it showed up, it showed up during COVID. Like that, those were the guys who were like, we ain't got to ask for permission. This is our church. And we've been, no, we're not doing any of this. And it showed up really clearly in that way. And, and what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, do you want to hear a nutso story? Oh, <laughs> I was, no. This is, this is not too, it was a little while ago. Uh, but, you know, Marcus and I are out pitching investors and we had, a guy say, Hey man, you guys are a David and Goliath story. And we're like, yeah, I mean, it really is. You know, we're, we're David and, and, and he's a Christian guy. And he was like, but I only invest in Goliaths. <laughs> I like him. He's just, he just knows that he doesn't take risks. And I was like, but he, like, even in that I story, like that Goliath guy. is the one that lost, right? Like you realize that, <laughs> but you know what though? But but he's what he's saying is he plays it like stocks. It, he has no long term investment. He's only no. concerned about winning in the moment. He's gonna right? win in the moment. Yeah, he's win he's the moment. Like, and, and um, now, I, I think, um, that is, that self awareness. I think it just shocked me. But I also think if you're not doing things somewhere in your life that take a the kind of risk that it takes to charge Goliath you'll get your head chopped uh, off yeah you, you're gonna you <laughs> then you're gonna you're gonna keep losing because that's one of the things that it uh the church what well, and and this is as individuals you know there's something to that but it doesn't always look like your job right there's other things that are David and Goliath like and I COVID was one of these right where um, clearly, clearly, if you, if the the church thinks it's going to stand up against the state, and you know if if a if a congregation thinks it's going to stand up against the 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 state of Washington, for example, and win, yeah. that's yep. a David and Goliath thing. Yeah, but we just say, well, but we, you know, the the way my pastor at the time put it was this: the governor has put out an order that we are not supposed to sing in church today, but Jesus didn't give us permission to stop singing. So sing extra loud right mm -hmm. today. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
that mm-hmm. um, you think, okay, well, what you know, if they we're not going to win in any in a uh, materialistic universe, right? It doesn't you it, that you've got the entire force of the Washington state government um, falling on a congregation. Wh- what's going to happen? I mean, they can you you, know, you might get you can awake you get a Waco Texas sort of situation. Um, the the uh, what was that the the Branch Davidians, um, which you there there's there's no there's no power um, equality situation where you win that unless God is on your side, right? Then the the scales of power are completely shifted. This is the Gideon's army principle. Um, where God says, well, cut it down to 300 so that you know that this is because God is on my side. Now, if they would have won with 3000, it would have been because God gave everybody can see those numbers. Yeah. You can say, well, but he's like, let's make it incredibly obvious instead. But you know, that's the, well, you had a little, what's a a mouse. I thought so. I thought you said, remember you told me that there was a mouse like running around trying to eat through your books or something. I got well. I got a, a a few of them, and then oh, there he is! He's, oh, this is hilarious! Oh my gosh, he's just jumping into my dog's food dish right there. Where's your dog at? Why is your dog all over this thing? He's in the other room. He's Get, afraid of the mice, though. What? He's, he's you can't have a dog that's afraid of mice, Jason. Oh, that's and just I know. So. But he, those, he, he's literally just walked around both poisons and around the trap, and he's just looking at me. He's sneaking up. Yep, he just went and took a piece of dog food. I'm gonna get him. I wow. I, res- I reset that trap right there that he just snuck around because he wasn't eating it, and I took took a piece of dog food and used it for bait, and I put it on the trap, and he, um. He went out, snuck, and he got it. And, the, and I was sitting right here, and the the trap went off, and the mouse flew about nine feet. He just because it didn't get him, but it he, it caught him, and it just threw him like all the way across the room. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Well, I I, I don't know whose traps are, but this is not a good commercial. No, for them. this is not good. It's not okay. So I killed so many mice this winter. I mean, I'm I think in you double need double digits. I think you need to have some faith to get rid of that mouse. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're lacking faith here, buddy. Uh, you're gonna have faith. to step. You have to step up your. Some that mouse got more faith than you. <laughs> he does. He's, he's messing around he's with the trap. He, just cra- he crawled over two poison traps just right now. I just watched him do it. See, that's he, the kind of faith we need to have right there. It's he like, poison, yeah, here, like poison, poison here, poison there, poison there. I'm just jumping. You, you know, that's just. So here's what I wanted to. This is what what really got the conversation going which was i asked you what are the promises what are the promises of god that i I guess the first question was what did god promise adam no no that's what you asked told me later what's the promises of god that we need to hold to right now what are the ones that are you know and you you laid out a pattern for me kind of what all the promises were directed towards how did you remember what you said? Yeah. So, is it, well, I said the, the, I think the best summary is Abraham, uh, cause it's a restatement of what Adam lost in the garden. Uh, but it's given in, 
in promise form. And then every other promise fits under the categories of what God promised to Abraham. And Romans 4 tells us that we are children of Abraham and that all of the promises of Abraham are yes and amen to us in Christ Jesus, right? Okay, so, so then th that's really good. So then what are the promises of Abraham? And so, then what are the, I guess, and after you, well, there's a second question. Go ahead. I'll let you name that first. Yeah, so so he prom he's promised um, land, seed, and kings, right? So the, that he's he's given the land, he's promised the land, He's promised uh, that his children would uh, be like the stars in the sky uh, it, um, and the sand on the seashore, which has multiple layers of meanings. And then he's promised that kings will come from him, right? So that his children will uh, not be servants, they'll be rulers, right? So um, that's Deuteronomy 28, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, so all the other promises end up being expansions on this. So, um, so for example, like the promise that your children will be stars in the sky, um, as that goes along, that 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 means a lot that there will be a lot of them, but it also means that they will shine like, uh, like brightness in the dark. Right? They they will be bright in the dark. They will be, um. They will have authority. They will rule, right? Because the stars rule and have authority. The stars guide, um, and so mm, then they disciple. They're, they disciple, and so you you end up. Um, so you know Matthew twenty eight uh, ends up being a promise that is a fulfillment of the fact that the children of Abraham will be like stars, right? They also um, they they are going to get they they give shape, right? So the sky. You, it, when you first look at it, it just looks like a crazy, you know, a bunch of stars up there. But we've seen that over that the stars actually give um, when when you are patient and you can look at the look at them and look at the movements of the stars and the planets and all everything that they actually end up giving shape to the year. They give shape to the uh, to the the monthly. Uh, rotations the daily rotations you um you have the uh the constellations uh, uh called the zodiac are the the constellations that the sun moves through so the sun gives a dividing line a shape that is uh, that and then the the zodiac ends up giving the year its shape but also it gives what looks like randomness it gives it a story Right. So, well, all of those things are things that the children of Abraham end up doing and being in charge of uh, throughout history. Right. So every time we set a, a date on the calendar um, institutionally or as a family, we're giving the year its shape. Right. So we we are shapers of time. Um, we're shapers of story of the stories uh, uh, of, of the story of history. Right. We we tell the stories of history we're shaped we're we so uh but we do that by being lights um set against darkness right so uh you know i've got certain stories that i think of regularly in my life as things that you know um that i hold uh that I hold my life together in my imagination with right certain stories from church history certain stories from the bible um you know um the 
uh, even you know even when we're around pitching lore it's a story we do we do this through storytelling yeah we want to be the christian mtv um the conservative and christian mtv you you we one well, and that's a way of shaping the story shaping the narrative so stars do that um the sand on the seashore is uh it is there's a lot of it right so that's the beginning of the promise. There's going to be a lot of them, like sand on the seashore. Can you count that high? But what else does sand on the seashore do? Well, it divides, right? It's the separating point between the land and the sea. And from that time on, well, really, it it begins um, in the beginning of Genesis and then in Noah's flood. Uh, you've got the the division between the sand and the uh and the the i mean the division between the land and the sea is the division between god's people and the gentiles uh, and then god's people and the unbelievers right and then between god's people who are formed and the chaos of the rest of the world right you've got this and the divi the dividing line is the sand on the seashore right so god's people are are the sand on the seashore in the sense also that they protect culture right that they are the the cultural protections um because they can uh they stand firm against the onslaughts of the tides um by by knowing that they are land even though they're up against the sea right this is that's what this the seashore is that dividing line between the land and the sea right so um so a, a strong church doesn't just protect the church right it ends up also protecting the people that even don't believe within a culture right um from the chaos that would overtake them if the uh the and so when the church you know in 18 the 1880s the church starts to weaken un, under the pressure of the enlightenment and from that 1880 to 1930 that 50 year period really 40 yeah 1880 1920 you really have the the degradation of the church as it swallows in modernism right well what happens is basically the seashore disappears in the culture and so now it starts to eat away at the cliffs um and the and things start to fall in and the the, the uh you have this flood uh the protections against the flood um go away right and so you have um the same way that the uh that the world is decreated under noah we're seeing a cultural decreation so many good things that have been built up and dominions that have been built up and you know are starting to go away because the church as a as a has failed in its seashore duties it's failed in its duties as grains of sand that stand and hold back the ocean right so all of these promises have a depth to them in and in, in their uh, that you come to understand just through lots of reading of the bible and you know understanding the the way that the bible holds it together as a single um imaginative landscape or a, a single set of metaphors you know a metaphor system it actually holds together from beginning to end as a metaphor system 66 i mean if there's that in in and of itself i think is a is an argument for its the it being the divine word of god is that you've got 66 uh well more even more than that because within the books you have different people quoted and so the the number of authors overall 
is enormous. And they hold together with a single metaphor system over the course of 4,000 years of authorship. That is, uh, I think that's part of the evidence for its divine inspiration. Um, <clears throat> on top of the fact that people that read it are changed, right? Are transformed, you know, um, recreated. So, um, the, the, uh, so the, the basic promises are that God will give us a land, uh, he will give us a seed and, um, and he will give us Kings, right. That our seed will be, will be Kings. Um, okay. So then is that, garden connected yeah so that was the that was um it that's those are all uh, basically a promise to restore adam uh, restore adam to the uh, his original mission which is um to guard and garden uh and to uh, multiply in the land be be fruitful and multiply and take dominion right so um so you had kingship you had promise of seed, right? Um, and then you had uh, land, dominion. Go take dominion, yeah. right? Go take okay. dominion. Yep. So, so then, go but, ahead. But we're we're but it's it is different to get them as commands versus promises, right? Because you obey commands. Well, that's, and believe that's promises. But that's the promise of the covenant of obedience, though, right? So if you, well, go yeah, ahead. that we're restored to the obedience, right? That's the we know that's generally the means by which God gives it, but it's but we receive it as a in that sense we receive it in that situation we receive receive it as a gift. Now Romans one tells us that Adam stopped receiving as a gift, right? He stopped saying thank you, and that was the beginning of the end. Going insane, the human race. Yeah. So then, are all of those? Because I can just hear all of my guys who are. You know, the two kingdom guys, all the guys who are, you know, the dispensationalist folks saying, you don't get all those in Christ, though. At least not here, right? Well, I think that's exactly what Romans tells us we get back in Christ, right, is the promises of Abraham. So, Romans, that's that's the... Um, one of the central points of Romans is that we're made into children that even the, that the Gentiles become children of Abraham. Right. I mean, it's like Romans four through Romans 11. That's the, that's the question he's answering. Um, mm. I mean, we, we like to break it up into Romans one through eight and then nine on. I break it up in Romans one through three, Romans 4 through 11, Romans 12 through 16, right? That's that's how I think it ought to be broken up. But um, because 4 introduces the Abrahamic restoration and the Gentiles inclusion, and Romans 11 completes the Abrahamic, the story of the Abrahamic uh, restoration and the inclusion of Gentiles, right? So um that is the i think the central question of the heart of romans is god promised all these things to abraham is it going to still come true and and it's and it, the the answer is so much more than anyone ever thought that that's the answer to the, is is god going to fulfill the promises to abraham well literally every nation is going to become children of abraham 
the entire earth is now the holy land the the whole thing um it, i mean you've got these gentile kids in ephesus that are told uh, obey your father and mother it's the first command with a promise obey your father and mother it'll go well with you in the world paul just it's the the 10 commandments say it'll go well with you in the land right in the holy land Paul just says it'll go well with you in the whole world, right? The whole world is transformed into holy land um, through Christ, yeah. Through Christ, yeah. So, and the 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 Jerusalem now Jerusalem is above, and the rest of the world and the whole world. So, right in the <laughs> in the Old Testament, you've got the holy of holies, the holy place, and the land, and then the rest of the world. And then, but by the end of the Old Testament, you have the holy city, right? Um, is and then uh, you you've got uh, or you've got the the holy of holies is the temple, the holy place is the city, and then the whole land is now really like a courtyard, right? Um, by the end, but and then Jesus, where the Hebrews tells us that now. The Jerusalem and the Holy of Holies is where Jesus is in heaven, and the the land around Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem, is the whole world, right? So now, what was promised to Abraham, the Holy Land, uh, every promise for the Holy Land, I think, is validly applied to the entire earth. So then, we see. This is where you get in Romans, where you see the second Adam. That's why he's using that language, because yep. he's talking about the fact that the Adamic um, covenant is better in Christ, the second Adam, and applies it to the whole, and it applies to everything. Right. Right. This is why, so G, this is why Matthew starts out by saying there's, you've, well, so Matthew starts out by giving Jesus two titles, son of David son of Abraham. Mm. Those are legal titles saying the inheritance mm. uh, that was promised to the Abraham's seed is all Jesus's. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that. All of the promises given to David's seed, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Well, Luke starts out by uh, calling him the son of Adam. Right. So all of everything given to Adam is Jesus's. And he shows that he's the legal son of Adam through the genealogy. And just like da Matthew shows that he's the legal son of David and the legal son of, I mean, th the legal son of Abraham. This is why you have that weird ending to the book of Ruth. It's such a weird ending to the book of Ruth. Uh, they're like, oh yeah. And here's a genealogy to the end of the book of Ruth. Like, what is the genealogy doing right there? Well, it's because it turns out that, that, that the book of Ruth is an argument that the son of David is also the rightful heir to uh, Abraham's promises, right? So you've, so you've got this strange little genealogical argument um, uh, that Ruth is showing that the heir uh, of Judah, the true heir of Judah is so, okay. 
So you remember the Tamar story? Don't, don't rush it. Go ahead, man. I know you're trying to drop it all. Go ahead. I am. So you remember the Tamar story? Yeah. Right? That Judah uh, goes to Tamar, and then Tamar has twins, but the the, the second one is born first, So and the first is born second. And um, uh, Well, Achan is the son of the firstborn that was born second. And his whole family is swallowed up. Yep. Which means he grasped, that now, right? What he grasped? Yeah, he grasped, right? He he. So his whole family is swallowed up. Well, then you get the uh, the question. Then is well, then who's the rightful heir to the throne of Judah? Right to the prince who who is the should be the prince of Judah because Achan was the prince of Judah. He was the rightful heir of the firstborn of the firstborn of the firstborn back to, to uh, back all the way. So who's the rightful heir then? Well, Ruth is the answer to that question because they, so it traces back now to the second born that was born first um, th- through that. That's such a weird line. It, it is a super weird first. line. But it's important because the question, because there's a whole series of promises attached to that line. So, but do you remember how they marked out who was the firstborn? Red scarlet. Yeah, the scarlet cord. Yeah. So, yeah. the scarlet cord around the wrist. Well, the um, in in that day, the the firstborn of the firstborn of the firstborn of that secondborn prince was Salmon. Salmon is the one who married Rahab. Rahab is the one who hung the scarlet cord in her window when she was still running a whorehouse, um, right? So she's the the prince the princess of whores, um, but she hangs the red scarlet cord in her window uh, as a sign that she has now um, a. a Become come to trust that the God who destroyed Egypt um, is going to be her savior, right? And so, and they do, they save her, and then she marries into what wasn't the royal line yet, right? Um, I just want to, I just want to acknowledge that they saved her and her household, Um, her and her household. Just want to, they were, I can't go without talking about infant baptism, right? Brought right in, right? And um, she marries Salmon, Salmon. Is uh, so if, if you look at oh, now we just gotta open it up. My Bible's all the way over there, I can't reach it, so I'm just gonna open that mouse it up will bring right it here. to you. <laughs> you gotta train okay. him if he's gonna be around. You gotta train that joker. Hey, bring me my uh, Bible. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I do need to do that. <laughs> um, right, so this is the end. Of Ruth. Now, this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez is the second born who was born first. Mm. Right. Perez, his brother, was the one that had the the red, the scarlet cord. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. And Aminadab begot Nahashon. Nahashon begot Salmon. Salmon was the one who marries. Rahab, Salmon begat Boaz. Ah, kinsman redeemer. Boaz begat Ebed. 
Ebed begot Jesse. Jesse, so, David's father. Jesse begot David. Boaz, his Those mom, kings. is Rahab. Yeah. The kinsman redeemer's mom. <laughs> was a whore. Was a whore. So he had been raised by her and Solomon and you shown know, how to be the kinsman redeemer because that's what God had been to his mom. Uh, you know what, bro? This is like... Uh, this is so good because I think that everybody, especially in America, when we get around a certain kind of Christian pedigree or pedigrees, um, when God starts laying out human pedigree, ain't nobody got any pride whatsoever to talk about. <laughs> nobody. Right. No, no, your mama was a hoe. That's for real. That's and God real, saved yeah. her. That's where you came from. But look what God, I mean, you, we have such a wonderful gospel. Like if God can redeem Rahab while she's in the middle of leading a whorehouse. Right. And she's like, wait a second. And if God could take that and bring a kinsman redeemer out of her to a king. Right. So come she, on, bro. Yeah, right. So we're not. Oh, that's so good. So, you, so when you when you look at that, you say, well, that's a line that ought never to be prideful and ought to always be grateful. And it produced the, the one of the great, one of the most gracious men you find in the Old Testament that is a direct typology. Uh, so you've got Joshua and Boaz. They're kind of the great typological high points um, in during this era. Uh, and um, you, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I said Joshua. What I meant was Joseph, right? So you've got from the, you've got the the Joseph and uh, Boaz are kind of like high point um, typological picture pi pictures, um, and you can see that the their life was hard in a way that gave that made them gracious right there's a way for hardships and difficulties and sin to harden you but there's another way for it to transform you into being gracious and it's when you turn to the lord and you see his grace and you know joseph when he forgives his brothers that's one of the great twists of in all of literature it's really hard to see that coming because it looks like God just gave his brothers into Joseph's hands and he's going to get revenge. Right. And <laughs> that's how that's how the literature should go in the ancient world. Yeah. And his, then he's in the perfect position to get him. Perfect position to get him. And he says, brother, and he forgives him. And you think, what? What a twist, right? That's like wow. M. Night Shyamalan level. Dude, I'm almost in tears just thinking about that. Like, it's just like, wow, he's, he's got him. He, and, <laughs> right. he's play, and he's almost playing with him. Like, in one sense, you know? Well, I, think, I think he is up until the point when his brother says, please. Yeah, right? and it broke it, him. Just, and uh, it breaks him. Please, my, my dad can't handle more. Uh, right? and, he, and, you, and he sees the repentance of his brother. And, and uh, I mean, this is a... This is a, mm, such a Dread Pirate story. Roberts moment, right? Yeah, so yeah, the dread, yeah. The Dread Pirate Roberts hears Wesley say, please, please, let me tell you about my love. And um, he and every night he says, you know, good work, I'll most likely kill you in the morning, right? Like that, that because 
he has every that's normally what would happen and it um and it, it in a it in a quote unquote sense it should have but instead god had had been transforming joseph into this incredible this person that could be that gracious through death and resurrections right through being thrown yeah. into a well and being brought out through being thrown into an underground prison and being brought out right so those are the um the through a uh a being falsely accused in a in a politically motivated trial right that's what turned him into a gracious person right that's what that's the the difference between faith and unbelief is faith and sees the story and and knows that god raises the dead and says oh i'm being i'm going down this must be the way up okay lord um oh i'm being buried oh where's the door to this casket gonna break out it's gonna be one of these directions i don't know which way um you know that, that it's, it's a different way of believing that God means it when He says, "Land, seed, kings." That's so. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, what does it look like to have? Because I'm feeling pretty, for whatever reason, 2024 happened, and I'm feeling pretty radical. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. I'm feeling pretty. Jason is scaring me a little bit because it's not my typical. Yeah, but I'm feeling like, all right, and 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 I think I don't think it's an accident. I think we have a certain window right now that's open, inside of this current moment. I don't even know if it's three years, five years. It's 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 gonna it's some, we're gonna have some. There's an opportunity to get a lot of ground. I think that's available right now, and I think the window's gonna close for a while. Now, I know everybody thinks that we're in that place is going to get really bad for the next seven years. I think that's true, but I think there's also a lot of opportunity that's available, a lot of ways to get your hands in some things and do some things that are going to be very fruitful for some people in the next seven years, after the next seven years. So I think this window, a certain point of uh, era in America is kind of closing. And I think it's going to be the judgment of God in a lot of ways. And then there's going to be light in Goshen, Right. And I think yeah. there's an opportunity for us to multiply our light in Goshen. <laughs> if we, if, right. right. And so I'm like, all right, Lord, I ain't got a whole lot of nothing right now, but I know you've promised some things. So what does it look like for me to say, let's go see if we can take that hill and if the Lord won't give it to us. Right. That's how yeah. I'm feeling right now. And I'm wondering like, okay, I'm not talking about being, um, foolish and and invested and stuff like that. But I'm really thinking about like, wait, God gave us some promises. What does it really look like to to believe those if it's land, seed, and um and kings? Like what does that look like to believe those right now? Yeah. So the so here's the the two stories that I've been using in this for to understand this moment are uh the story of the 12 spies yeah and the story of the the sons of thunder mm. right so um and oh that's interesting in my, in my mind this is the the connection is they're both stories of 12 people divided into 10 and 2 um and they're both stories about uh confidence uh confidence and dominion right so You've got the uh, uh, in 
the Old Testament, they get to the edge in Joshua, they get to the edge of the land, and they're and uh each of the twelve tribes uh, pulls one of their you know, best warriors. Yeah. Um Did you say princes or kings or, or not kings, but princes or leaders of the tribes. Uh they're they're leaders, but they're elders of the tribes. Okay. They're not the they're not the princes themselves. Gotcha. Um, there are some elders elders of the tribes that are great warriors and say, We need you to go spy out the land. And ten of them come back and discourage everybody, saying there's I know God said we could take it, but they're huge. You know, can I just add something to that part real quick? Because when you go back and read this, one of the contradictions in there is they are tasting the goodness of the land. They come back with these huge grapes strung between almost like an arc type thing they're carrying with a pole. And it's like, look at these massive. So they come back almost saying, look at all these blessings that are here. Like, this is amazing. and it's huge, so much of it, and it's flowing everywhere, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's impossible to take. It, it, <laughs> it, yeah, there's no way. We're, we're never going to take it, right? Um, but I need to look it up really quick because what is it that they bring back? They bring back. It's like a grapevine or some, like, grape. They brought back fruits, uh, foods and some, I think, fruits, some foods. But I remember the grapes, they had, like, this. Uh, it was stick that was holding it. They were carrying two yeah, of them. Like, great. I was thinking it was grapes and figs, but it might have been. Might have been. Yeah. Um. And uh, what? But what's really interesting about that whole thing too is the two, um, the uh, the the two that believe, um, are. They they say basically they're gonna make such a huge crashing sound when they fall, right? And the and they've already built the place, so it's ready to move into. Let's go. And then ten say they're so big, right? Well, you hear that all the time, and you just had um, the president say something along the lines of, you know, people think they need their Second Amendment rights, but really like are they going to be able to hold back f16s like that's a that's a goliath line right right god just gave us a good old-fashioned goliath line um and i don't think that i don't think it's gonna break out primarily in violence um uh, you but i think it is such a goliath line that um who could really ever defeat me you know who do they think they are that it, it gives america this really weird it puts america in this really weird situation um uh but the the other so you know are we going to be like caleb that says well but god promised us this right now it doesn't all happen in one generation right it takes from joshua through david to complete the promise of the land, right? So Solomon is the, many generations later is the one who finally um, rules in peace, uh, and they have to go. The nation goes th- through this that death and resurrection that we were talking about um, to get there. But it's a um, but the process begins with s- some of the people saying, "Well, but God promised." but God promised, so we should do it. And then, um, but then 
in the New Testament, you have um, the the mom of two of Jesus' disciples say, can they sit on your right hand and your left when they come into your, when you come into your kingdom, can they sit on your right hand and on your left hand? And he, what he, he, he doesn't, what, what he says is, I don't think you know what you're asking because there, because who, whoever follows me is going to have to go through the same death and resurrection that Israel went through because that's what Jesus as the new Israel is about to go through. Right. So are they going to, and, and they say, we'll follow you anywhere, Jesus, uh, to take up a cross. Okay. We'll follow you to the cross, right? We're, we'll die with you. We're going to follow you. Um, because they believe in the resurrection. Right. And he, and he's, and this is where I think the the tone isn't exactly easy to read, but when I read it, it feels like a sigh where Jesus says, you don't realize how hard that's going to be, but let's go, right? He, you don't know yet how difficult death and resurrection is, but let's go. It's like, it's not the wrong answer to say, we'll follow you anywhere. It's the right answer to say, we'll follow you anywhere. Now, Jesus says, when you end up in charge, don't rule like the Gentiles. That's his response to the two coming to him. They're they're oh, that was the same response that he told them when they got took the land. Exactly. When so it's the matter question, of fact, that was Moses' whole song. Right. The yeah, exactly. Because so the question is, how are we gonna Oh, you know, so it's a multi-generational project for one. That's a bit that's why those stories I think are important. So we should be training up our kids to understand how to how to deal well with authority, how to love justice, how to hate bribery, how to um how to be how to know when something you don't have enough information, you don't have two or three witnesses, and so you have to say, I don't even if I even if I'm confident within myself, I don't have the ability to be publicly confident about this judgment, right? Those, those sorts of things. So we, you have to learn to be able to say that. Um, how to be good theonomous. How to be, <laughs> what, I, in the, I think in your definition, I'm, this is what I'm coming to learn, is in your definition, I'm, I'm smack dab in the middle of the, uh, Absolutely. Of absolutely. Um, Without because, any equivocation. Because I think, because <laughs> I love the law and I think the right. law transforms us right it has a transformative Facts. effect socially uh but but the but there is but the, i think the transformative process that the of the law bringing us to people that love justice and then establishing justice um is the way is so it's not a let's um yeah so anyway yeah that's so a whole nother conversation that um but but the in those situations, the confidence that says, "Well, okay, I, I um, Goliath and the Philistines have just showed up from wherever you know it, Atlantis fell, and now here come the Philistines. Wherever they came from, we don't know where they came from. They show up and they come wandering into the land, and there's millions of them, and they've got these five giants." that run the, um, that he won in each of their cities that they've established these giant walled cities. And they've got a giant 
that protects each one of them. And, and um, we look around and we say, okay, so God promised this, us this place by means of our death and resurrection. Um, that's, that's our, that's the weapon that our, our strongest weapon is that, that we know that we follow a Lord who died and was raised from the dead. And so death can't hold us death. The fear of death doesn't control us. Um, and the, uh, and we, so, and we, so we know long-term that what God has for our children is that they won't be slaves, right? That's what God has told us about our children. They will be rulers and not slaves. Um, and w- what we've seen it, in, in action, in how that's looked in America was the establishment of, a, of Republicanism, right? Where you, um, you have, uh, the, this equal citizenship and, you know, it took a hundred years for everybody in the land to, to be a part of that freedom. Um, but it was, it, it's God's blessing. Um, Republicanism is where everybody's a King, right? I mean, that's, everybody's royalty right there's no you don't have a royal class now um i don't think we have to not have a royal class for everyone to be royalty in a, in a sense um that's a right 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 that, that's, that's how in, number, on yeah. our on this piece of land that god has given us that's the tradition that we inherit right um is that's what it looks like for every, um and there's people trying to take that away so right? you're and, saying you're saying that we can have um we can have the rule of a king with divine law. That's very possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can have the rule of a king with divine law, and it's not a royal class. Yes. Right. So that um, you still have the uh, the the rulership of the people um, of their own. Piece that's of only that's only if people are free through the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Exactly. That's only yeah. Yeah. But yeah. and. And we know, but we know that that is the the direction that God is moving the world, right? So, right. Um, that we, uh, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna run out of time soon for my next thing that I have to hop on to. I know, but, me too. Um, but uh, yeah, all those camera problems shortened this episode. That's okay. Um, we'll catch up. We'll finish it up next week. We will. But but I, so I think so when you look at uh, like the book of Judges and you take Caleb as the beginning of this, of that story um, and David as the end, right? So Caleb is the one that says, let's do it. And that's the beginning of the conquering of the land and David as the completing of the conquering of the land. Then it puts judges into a different context. You've got 10 judges. uh, You've got seven, I believe seven sections in the book. um, And the, the, the people of Israel who, the majority of them um, ha- are now listening to the 10 spies and not the two. Um, you see that that has social effect and um, and has political effect because they are being, they're taken away from those three promises, right? And so you keep seeing faithlessness cut the seed off of judges, mm. right? They can't string together a series of uh uh you they can't st- string together a faithful genealogy in the book of judges um which is a curse they, because that's part is, of what the promise is supposed to be is for seed exactly and then they can't um uh, they keep ending up with people ruling over them in right, the lands so that, yeah in yeah. the lands right so 
um so they their their promise of of seed and their promise of kings and then they are losing ground in the land mm-hmm. right? yeah lo- it starts off that's what uh you see happen with um uh the the every time or this judges six where they come they go hiding in the caves during harvest time because the the uh midianites come and and ravish the land and so that's where right. we find um gideon threshing out <laughs> yeah. his, his yeah. wheat in the wine press which is where the bugs lives come from by the way anyway but that's a whole uh, okay. uh, yeah, right the, the, the right yeah comes. yeah yeah go ahead so, uh but so you have this um this god pulling back uh on is not fulfilling his promises because of their faithlessness um but he and and it ends up basically decreating or or um moving god's people uh through this decreation um until you get to the end where um it the, they are not it's not a you don't have a functioning um worship system anymore right which was the problem so, in the beginning right it right was so the problem in the, it's yeah so um and but that's when um hannah shows up and her womb is the uh the is the genesis one right a moment uh in the beginning god uh, uh created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless it was empty and it yeah. was dark and you show up and hannah is the uh the wife of elkanah who does who is barren right and her womb is the empty dark formless place that god begins the recreation right and and this is a central theme in the bible is the barren woman right um, yeah yeah the so actually i just i i think i sent what I'll, we'll talk afterward but we have this central theme in the bible of the barren woman that is mm. that that's the place where god's fulfills his seed promises right now in the same way that gideon's army is made smaller so that you know only god could do it god picks barren gives seed promises and then picks barren women so that you know only god could do it he waits till they're done past the childbearing air sarah elizabeth over and over and over um, until you get to the greatest of those instances which is the virgin womb right that um the it's a place where it's an impossible place the impossible place to fulfill the seed promise right mary so um in a lot of ways gideon's army is mary's womb right um in the old testament right so um and then and then you know galatians tells us that the whole church is a barren woman and it's a barren woman that will have more children than any of the fruitful women right so so um so what's another so, promise right there Right. That's right. Right. Yeah. It's a continuation of the Abrahamic promise. And so, so I look at things like the um, the church growth movement um, and think, well, that is, that's the, um, that's Abraham saying, well, my wife is barren. Bring me your servant. Right. Oh, uh, that's, that's Abraham saying, oh, the, 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 I know God promised it would happen that way, but it's not really working. And that doesn't make any sense. So let's try it the way 
it normally works, right? Let's hire oh. a marketing team that he gets his campaign. I think is a great example of Jason. we're going to hire a marketing team. That's, that's a, a Hagar. Yo, you can't pull choice. that out. And right when you got to run, <laughs> that is so right. We've created our own Ishmael's in this process. Yeah. And you get all these Ishmael's. Oh man. I feel like Whoopi Goldberg, girl, you in trouble. <laughs> so, but I, so, and I think this is, I mean, this is a combination of just, you know, my wife and I have been, you know, reading the Bible and discussing it every day for years now. I mean, like, like and you start to, so she'll, she sees a pattern. I see a pattern. We talk about it. You know, we've got these, just this kind of daily Bible study for 24 years of marriage um and and you'd start to see this these patterns that god just works in these same ways over and over and over and they never look it never looks like faith is the right option it always looks like the barren womb is not going to have children um but the, right now, the barren womb is daily, just I mean, just weekly faithful church attendance that just says, you know, I can't see how this is having an effect. <laughs> you, you know, I, actually, I here's you know, if just thinking about Hannah for a second, what faithfulness would look like would seem like drunkenness to everyone else, mm -hmm. right? It seems insanity. like crazy and insanity to everybody else where they've forgotten what real worship is. They've forgotten what a true heart to be fruitful is that when they see someone who wants it, they think well, that's a little insane. That's a little weird. These people are nuts. Yeah. Or, or even just saying like, you know, I, a, a good example, my wife, was she came home one day when we were down in Santa Cruz and she said, Hey, I found a great building for our school. So I, I changed my route home so I can pray for it every day. I was like, well, what building is it? Well, it's currently owned by the, uh, um, there's some people oh, in the land. <laughs> yeah. The, so what's the, what's that? The weird the Tom Cruise's, uh, Scientology It's currently owned yeah. by the Scientologists, but it's perfect for us. So, uh, I'm so I've been praying for it. So let's, you know, how and she and she said, um, she was like, What do you think we'll use that part for? And I, and I laughed. She's already got it. And I, she's already planning out how we're gonna use it. Uh, because she started asking for it, right? It, it makes sense, right, Lord? And that Christmas, but there, it's Scientology, right? It's an incredibly, incredibly wealthy group of people how you know that that's what's gonna happen right well that that christmas over christmas break um it the it literally just didn't open back up after christmas break right so um and everybody was like what happened they just sent out hey we're closing N nobody could figure out what happened well it turned out they had um not been paying taxes Surprise, surprise, a cult was had IRS problems. Uh, they did not been paying taxes, and they were told you can either all go to jail 
or you can sell the building. Right. And they said, oh, we'll sell the building. So they put the building up for sale. The problem is we didn't have any money. Um, and so we went and looked at it and we we're like, oh, but we can't afford it. My wife was like, that's okay. God's going to give it to us. So uh, don't worry about that. And uh, so she, and I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. But, but we were, we were sort of in a, um, we, we were in a lease already uh, and didn't, and I was, and it was working fine. It was a good spot. Uh, we were the Assemblies of God Church. Well, but then things fell apart at the denomination, at the Assemblies of God denominational level, and we lost our lease um, two weeks before we were supposed to start school. And my wife was like, well, that building over there is still empty. It's obviously for us. And so we went over and we just walked through the front door and the owner and his wife and kid happened to be there doing the yard work. They had just bought it is non-christian he described him he said i'm not really religious the most religious thing we've ever done is my wife went to a unitarian preschool <laughs> right and but he said but i drive by your your school on my way to work and i see your kids out there and he said i don't have any hope for california right now because of our public school system so he said how much can you guys afford and we were like well not very much this much and he's like let's do it let's start with a two year lease at that rate and I'll just subsidize it because we need you guys wow. to succeed. Wow. <laughs> and, and my wife wasn't surprised. She was like, yeah, I mean, she, we all knew it was of course. coming. Right. <laughs> and so at that moment, she was the Caleb that, and, um, and I was, you know, the, I was, I have learned to not, outwardly say to my wife no that's not the way it works because <laughs> she prays so many things into reality <laughs> but but in my head i was like you know may maybe down the road or maybe we'll move in there you know in 20 years or but it was by the next year we were in that place this is gorgeous incredibly well-built building that was built with like a 20 uh it, it was built the way a cult builds something that has long-term plans for takeover of reality. Um, you, you mean like Canaan? Like Canaan, right? It, it was, uh, you know, built like giants uh, had built it to be there forever. And so, and the, the church and the school are still there. It's just gorgeous. Um, we had this outdoor patio lunchroom with this big fountain in the middle. Um, it's perfect for baptisms, you know, like that sort of thing. <laughs> it's just amazing. Right? So, um, but that's what it looks like. I think in our day to have the kind of confidence that doesn't make sense right now there's a, a a regular death and resurrection process. That's a part of that. Right. So it's not just like you're like a rocket taking off for the moon, right? It's the, it's the, it's a gardening, it's a gardening type of thing that you say, well, right, hey, right. I, I've got 20 seeds. If I plant them, you know, I'll get a hundred, jalapenos and then i'll have a thousand seeds you know it's funny and then about... i'll plant those seeds and i'll have a million jalapenos right but you have to go through the, the planting and harvesting well uh, i think that's that's where the top tier when we start talking we start talking about faith as being kind of the way people think about a top tier but if you think about faith like gardening then it has no top tier separation from the bottom tier right, right? because everybody goes into gardening expecting death and resurrection they know they're going to go put something to the ground and they know that they depend on the Lord for something to come up. 
But right. because they're dependent, they expect it. They do expect God to work when something goes into the ground. They expect it. It's not even a question. Even the pagans do, right? Because it's built into the way the world works. We know that's the process. And I know you got to run. I do. <laughs>